guys. Dr. Greg Popchak here with episode 18 of the Bedatitudes podcast. Uh, and we're continuing our reflection on blessed are the dads who are pure of heart. Now, in the last podcast, we talked about what purity really is. It's not just avoiding sin, especially sexual sin. It's really making sure that we are uh, loving rather than using. You know, St. John Paul in his book, Love and Responsibility, talked about uh, the fact that the opposite of love is use. And any time we love somebody, we're helping them to be their best selves, to be more human. But when we use somebody in any context, not just sexually, but in any context, when we use somebody as a means to an end uh, or to just satisfy our desires in some way, um, you know, exclusive of their humanity, right? We are using that person and making them into a thing, an object that is used either for our pleasure or, again, as a means to an end. Uh, and so purity has to do with knowing the value of the human person and knowing that every person, including ourselves, have a right to be loved rather than used. And so making sure that in all things we're asking, am I making sure to help this person that I'm with or help these people that I'm with be their best selves, or am I using them in some way? We become impure through use of ourselves, of others, of letting others use us. We become pure of heart by really working to make sure that we are helping others and ourselves be our best selves in all things. And that's certainly what our Heavenly Father calls us to do, which was the point of our reflection last time. Uh, and it's what we're called to do in our marriage, which is the point of our reflection this time. Um, you know, I often hear in the counseling practice from wives who do feel used, um, you know, by husbands who, you know, well, a wife might say, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't know what he needs me for other than, you know, doing dishes and, you know, raising his kids and keeping his house and having sex with him. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what else he really needs me for. I don't feel love beyond that. Um, it's, it's easy, you know, for us to use our wives and, and to help them and make them feel like objects, uh, or a means to an end. Um, and it does cut both ways. I mean, there are times when women will use their husbands too. Uh, and when we feel used, it's going to be important to call that out and, and not, not to accuse our wife of using us, but to say that we do feel used when X, Y, or Z, uh, and say, you know, I'd like to talk about a better way to handle this. Cause I'm sure you're not trying to use me. Um, but I do feel used in this way and, and, and it hurts my feelings and I'd like to figure out how we could handle that better so that I don't use you and you don't use me and that we learn to help each other become everything God created us to be. Um, but there are three general things that I would suggest to all husbands that we can do to make sure that we are not treating our wives as objects and that we are helping them uh, to become everything God created them to be and, and making sure that they feel loved more than used um, or instead of used. The first thing is cherishing our bride. Now, cherish is a funny word. You know, we tend to think that love and cherish are the same thing, but they're, they're not. They're, they're, they're a little different. Uh, they belong to the same family. Uh, but where love is that commitment to work for the ultimate good of the other person, cherishing is to treat them in a way that reminds them of how special and precious they are to us and to God. You know, if I cherish you, I'm doing things that make you feel special that make you feel particularly taken care of or, or happy to be in my presence. 
you know, and so we can love our spouse, we can love our wives you know, and through the work that we do and the way we take care of our families and those kind of very practical things, which are incredibly important. Um, but sometimes we forget that in doing those loving things that are more, um, you know, temporal or practical, we forget to cherish our spouse or our kids. And we'll talk more about kids in the next reflection. Uh, and so looking for those little ways to make our spouse feel special. Uh, one simple way, I think I might've mentioned this before is, you know, Lisa and I, when we wake up in the morning and the alarm goes off, we turn it off, we roll toward each other and we just pray, you know, Lord, help me be the husband that you want me to be. Help me to love her in the ways that she needs me to love her and, and to cherish her in the ways that she needs to be cherished. And she'll do the same for me where she, she lays her hands on me and you know, help me be the wife that God, that Greg needs me to be. And we just talk a little bit, you know, very briefly, you know, is there anything that you need from me today? What can I do to make you feel taken care of? What can I do to make you feel like I'm there for you? Uh, and, and a lot of days there's nothing special, you know, it's just, you know, do the things that you usually do. Uh, sometimes we do have requests for each, from each other though. And it's nice that we can just get in the habit of sharing that. Another thing to do, um, I actually talk about this in our book, uh, For Better Forever, A Catholic Guide to Lifelong Marriage, the love list exercise, where both uh, you and your wife will write down as many things as you can think of that make you feel cherished. They should be small things, right? I mean, it's okay to write that weekend away uh, down or, or you know, I, I love the, the diamond necklace or whatever, you know. But really we're talking about, you know, I feel loved when you hold my hand. You know, I feel loved when you give me a hug when you're walking through the room. I feel loved when you, you know, bring me a, a, a drink when you, you know, go to the kitchen. I, I feel loved when, you know, those little things that make you feel cherished and cared for and special. What are the ways that your wife makes you feel special? Write those things down. What are the way, and then have her write down the things that, that, that you do that make her feel special or you would, or that would make her feel special if you did them or did them more often. Uh, resist the temptation to make this a complaint list. You know, I'd feel cherished if you pick up your damn socks. You know, it's, it's, it's more about the positive things. What can you do to build each other up? Right. Uh, so I suggest in the book writing 25 things. People tend to get stuck around three or four. Um, but, but the reason I ask that is because I want you to break those things down. So, for example, if you have on that list, I feel cherished when you're affectionate with me, you could break that down into 30 different things right there. You know, I feel cherished when you, when you give me a hug. I feel cherished when you hold my hand. I feel cherished when you, uh, you know, when, when you flirt with me. I feel cherished when we're at a stop sign and you give me a kiss. I mean, you know, whatever it is, um, break it down into small doable pieces because the goal here for both of you is to have that list and look at it every day. And you want to challenge yourself to do at least one or two things that are really easy, preferably slightly different things every day, just to mix it up. And one thing that's a little bit of a challenge for you, uh, because cherishing involves leaving behind our comfort zone to love our spouse a little bit more. You know, what are those things that aren't, you know, immoral or degrading in any way, but just, they're just quote unquote, not you, right? Try to do that thing. Um, stretch yourself because that's what makes another person feel cherished. I see the, the sacrifice he's making. I see the effort he's making to do that thing that means so much to me, but that's not really him. Uh, and, it, and, and I really see him trying to push those boundaries for me. And that makes me feel special and cared for. So that's the first thing. The second thing, and we talk, and again, I talk about this more in beat attitudes as well as in for better forever, a Catholic guide to lifelong marriage. Um, the second thing is actually practice natural family planning. Um, so natural family planning, you know, a lot of Catholics think about this as, as Catholic contraception and it's not that at all. 
it's it's a way to invite God into the int- most intimate part of our relationship. The, the the default in natural family planning is not set to having children or not having children. The, the the default is set to prayer, you know, where husbands and wives are called to really ask God every month, Lord, is this a month where you are asking us to work on our relationship, to 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 find ways to cherish each other and the kids you've already given us, um, so that you know we can all be ready to receive the next gift of of another child, or this month, Lord, are you calling us? To, to recognize, you know, how, how much we do love and cherish each other and that it's time to celebrate that by bringing another child into this family. But each month we're praying about that. And and because we're being intentional about our sexuality, we're not just giving into our desires in the moment, but we're really tempering that with prayer and making sure that we're honoring what, uh, what, what, what God wants for our relationship, the most intimate part of our relationship. It's easy. It's harder excuse me, for our, for our wife to feel used. It's, it's easier for her to feel loved and to know that it's coming from a genuine place, you know, and you, and you tie that in with that prayer of Lord, help me be the husband that she needs me to be and help me to love her, you know, the way she needs me to love her, not just with my broken human love, but with your, with your love on, on every level with, with my mind, with my heart, with my body, uh, help me to show her what she's worth to you as a beautiful, beloved daughter of God. Uh, and she can pray a similar prayer for you where you're giving your bodies to the Lord and asking him to teach you how to use them. You know, Corinthians talks about how we need to glorify God with our bodies because we've been purchased at a price. God cares, not just what we do with our minds and our hearts, but with our bodies as well. Uh, and so by giving our sexuality, by giving our bodies to God and asking him to teach us how to use our bodies to to love our wife in ways that she actually finds loving, um, you know, we won't do it perfectly, but we don't have to. Um, we have to just be striving for that. And and in doing so, that that sets us apart from men who just give in to their desires and pressure their wives to give them whatever they want when they want it. Um, so natural family planning is meant to be, it's a little like uh, fasting from food, right? It's, it's sometimes it's not a lot of fun, um, but it's meant to teach us, you know, how to make healthy connections with food, how to make healthy connections with the gifts that God has given us. Natural family planning asks us to periodically uh, uh, fast from sex, so, uh, in, especially in those months where God has called us to work on our relationship with our wife and children rather than welcoming that next child. Uh, and in those times, because it's difficult, but we we still want to not we still want to reach out to our spouse, not avoid our spouse, but reach out to her and, and look for ways to cherish her and to continue to make her feel special. That's where the love list stuff comes in, especially. Uh, and by doing that, we're we're showing that you know we're being loving even when there's you know even when we are taking a little break from from physical intimacy, uh, and and that really again sets us apart from husbands who you know just want what they want when they want how they want it. We're, as, we're putting the Lord in charge of this most intimate part of our, our life and asking him to teach us how to love our wife in ways that actually feel loving. Um, and the third thing that, that, that's important to do is, is to resist, you know, and this, this most obvious thing is resisting pornography and resisting pornifying our marriage uh, on our wife. Now, I talk about this more in holy sex, okay? It, 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 couples are allowed to be spontaneous and fun and, and uh, flirtatious and seductive in marriage. Those are good things. Uh, there's nothing wrong with, with desire uh, or even inflaming each other's desires in different ways. Those, those can be good. And I, again, I talk about the ways to discern that and uh, you know, to exercise good prudential judgment and all of that in my book, Holy Sex. Um, but when I talk about you know porno- using pornography or pornifying somebody, so 
pornography is wrong because we aren't treating that person as a person. We're not building them up as a person, that object that we see on the screen or in the magazine or whatever. We're using them as an object to satisfy our, 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 our desire for release in some way. Uh, and because of that, you know, that, that's why it's a sin. That's why it's impure, because we're using someone rather than building them up, rather than treating them like a human person and enabling them to be more of that person. Um, we can do that in marriage as well, though. You know, we can just see our wife as, you know, an object for our desire. We can just, we can, we can get to a place where unless we use certain positions or she wears certain things or we do certain things and sex doesn't count. Uh, and at that point, you know, it's, it's, it's fine to enjoy those positions or to enjoy lingerie or to enjoy, uh, you know, different things that you do in the bedroom. Um, but when those become the most important thing and sex doesn't count unless we've done those things, now we've begun to pornify the relationship. Because again, we're, we're seeing it not as an opportunity to work for each other's good and to build each other up and to grow closer in love. We're seeing it as an opportunity to act out that thing. Uh, to do that thing. And so it becomes impure, not because it's desirable or pleasurable or, 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 or sensual or sexy. It, it becomes impure because it, it, we replace the person with the thing. Uh, and so resisting pornography and resisting pornifying our relationship becomes incredibly important. Uh, I will say also this though, if you're struggling with pornography as, as most men do, um, it's sort of the smoke rather than the fire. Um, as I talk about in my book, Broken Gods, Hope, Healing, and the Seven Longings of the Human Heart, that book looks at each of the seven deadly sins, including lust, uh, and, and identifies the divine longing that's at the heart of that sin, that deadly sin. And you might be surprised to hear that there's a divine longing at the heart of a deadly sin. Well, it becomes a deadly sin because Satan can't create anything. He can just plagiarize or distort the things that God created. And so at the very heart of us lie seven divine longings. Right? And so Satan twists them, and, be, and those divine longings become deadly sins. So the divine longing for communion, for intimacy, to know and be known by another person becomes the sin of lust when we stop um, allowing ourselves to be treated as a person or treating the other person that we're intimate with as a person and start seeing them as an object and using them as an object. Um, and so that's what lust really is. Um, you know, and so when we give into that temptation to lust, we need to realize that what's really at the heart of that is a longing for intimacy. There's not just sexual intimacy, but spiritual or emotional intimacy. Uh, if we're struggle, the degree to which we struggle with lust, pornography, masturbation, is the degree to which there is some unmet need for communion, connection, for emotional, spiritual, or physical intimacy, uh, and we need to find a healthy way to meet that. It's not enough to just not watch porn. Um, you know, it's good to not watch porn and, and whatever help you need, whether that's downloading a program that helps keep you accountable or any of those other things, that's great. That's important, but it's not the, it's not the best answer. It's not the only answer. It's the beginning, uh, avoiding the, the, the temptation to impure thoughts or pornography, masturbation, uh, is the first step, but really going deeper and identifying, you know, what is that lack in my ability to connect or to have that kind of intimate communion with my wife, um, what is missing there? You know, what's stopping me from feeling as connected to her as I, as I need to be, uh, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually and physically as well. Um, and what do I need to do, you know, to learn to make a healthier connection, to heal that breach, to heal that wound, to heal that disconnect so that I will not be as tempted uh, to, to give into lust. 
Uh, again, I'm not. I, I want to be clear here. I'm not. I'm not saying that it's it's any in any way that it's your wife's fault if you're tempted. I'm saying that there's there's some break in the connection for some reason. A lot of times that could be could because we don't know how to make an appropriate connection on an emotional, spiritual, or physical level with our wife. Sometimes it is because there are challenges in the relationship that we feel like are just too difficult to resolve, so we're just going to let it go and use pornography to to fill in the gap. Uh, again, though, that's impure on so many levels because we're not, you know, we're not just um, using the person that is the object of the image. We're also uh, treating our, not not working for the best of our wife and not working for the best, the good of our marriage, not 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 being the husband God's calling us to be. So I just say that because part of being pure of heart when it comes to our wife and our marriage um, means looking at the deeper causes behind lust uh, and asking what can we do to grow in those areas so that we can be more capable of, of real authentic connection, the connection that we're longing for, the connection that Satan twists by redirecting that divine longing for intimacy into uh, the, the, the deadly sin of lust. So those three things, you know, cherishing our bride, uh, using natural family planning, especially in the way I was describing, where it becomes a spiritual exercise rather than just a series of rules that I follow, and finally, uh, resisting pornography and pornifying our marriage by, by really looking at the divine longing that's behind lust, that divine longing for intimacy and communion, and looking at what we need to do to either heal or grow uh, or, or repair our relationship so that we can make that authentic connection. And the more we can do those things, the more we are working for our good, the good of our wife, and the good of our relationship, the more we are becoming pure of heart. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to continue this conversation, I'd love for you to post your questions in the Home Builder Forum on the Catholic Home app. If you haven't become a member of the Catholic Home community, download the app today and become a premium member. Uh, our, my whole team of pastoral counselors is there for all of our premium members to give ongoing daily guidance and support in these kinds of topics and any other question related to Catholic fatherhood, parenting, building your dynamic domestic church. You know, tons of resources there, a lot of great community. Just check it out. Uh, download the app and become a premium member of Catholic Home Today. Hope to see you there, and thanks so much for tuning in. God bless.